Greet you all in the name of Jesus this morning. Stand on the brink of a new year. We're already in it, I guess. <clears throat> Dale brought out many good points in relation to um, resolutions. As we don't want to get too much into New Year's resolutions, but this time of the year, it's traditional for us to we take time to reflect on the past year, the year that we have come through, and then to, in relation to that, to make promises to do better in this year. And as we look at this past year, or past few years, maybe we can tend to dwell on the happenings of the year and the negative experiences maybe that we had and things that we were disappointed with. But, you know, those are a lot of those are things that we had no control over. It's more important for us to look back over the past year and look at ourselves and our response to the many pressures that we faced and our response, how we how we re- responded, how we reacted. And then as we go into the new year to determine what our response will be, what our character will be. We all know that there's very little that we can change in relation to the circumstances that we find ourselves in with, uh, with regard to a lot of the things that take place in this world that we live in. But we have a lot of control over how we react and how we respond and how we grow. So this morning, as we look at this year before us, we want to look at this opportunity for new beginnings in this coming year. The first area you want to look at is opportunity, is new opportunities that we have. You can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. <clears throat> I think we would all say that it's pretty straightforward um, verses here. Does anyone not think that the days that we live in are evil? Can anyone tell me that there is no need to live wisely? I think we all realize that this, these verses apply to us directly. We need to walk circumspect there. We need to be walking, looking around us and uh, being observant of the dangers around us. Being observant of the opportunities before us and also the dangers ahead of us. And to walk circumspectly implies that we don't just fix our eyes ahead, and but that we make decisions in our walk forward with what has taken place in our past or behind us, <clears throat> to look all around. We also redeem the time in verse 16. What is redeeming the time? I think 
Oh, no, what that is, what the opposite of that is, wasting time. But let's be taking this opportunity in this year ahead of us to redeem the time, to make it count for something profitable. There are at least three opportunities available to every one of us here today in this new year. One, or the first one, A, is a deeper walk with God. How do we embark on a deeper walk with God? I think there is basically only one way. We don't look forward in this new year and say, okay, well, this year, once a month for one hour, I'm going to have a really deep, relationship with God and uh, and just just really make that count just have that hour of this month first day of the month or whatever or maybe it's on the 15th of the month I'm going to set aside one hour that's going to be my really deep relationship with God that's not how it works is it it's only by time that we have a deep walk with God time in the word of God <clears throat> time in prayer Time in worship and fellowship with other believers. Time is the all-important aspect. And thank you all with me have found that this is one thing we never just find is time. We need to make time to get things done. And that includes spending time with God. We need to make definite plans to set aside time for God and for his people. <clears throat> you know, we it's amazing how busy our lives are and how time slips away and uh, but we oft always seem to kind of get things done that are the most important to us. So let's make sure we Make the time, find the time to get the important things done. All right, B, opportunity that we have is healing of relationships. In First John 3, verse 18, says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. This year that we are embarking on, let's make it a goal to heal relationships. I think we all have opportunities where we can improve things. We might not have bad relationships per se, but there's probably all of us have relationships that could be improved. I think it's easy for you to say you love someone, but it's an entirely different thing to show in a way that really communicates it. There are various ways that we can do this might be by helping someone, by uh, spending that extra time and energy to help someone that is maybe feeling overwhelmed, maybe someone that is struggling. Another way might be by controlling your tongue or your speech. If, if you have an opportunity to talk to someone that maybe you struggle with at times, maybe Think, spend a little more time thinking what you want to say rather than just 
saying something that you hadn't really thought through that might be hurtful or might be detrimental to your relationship. Also, check your attitude. It also might be by stopping someone from hurting themselves. If you see a pattern of behavior that someone is practicing that is hurting them, by the wisdom and grace of God, somehow to intervene and help them to to avoid that. You can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love chapter. Reads, but no, it's a common um, chapter to look at when you look at relationships, love. We'll just read verses 1 through 7. It says, Though I speak speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, <clears throat> believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. <clears throat> if, if your relationship with someone that you love is marred, this might be a, a great place to start looking for the cause and, all, and also ultimately the healing. When you look at each one of these, you know, <clears throat> it's easy for us to to maybe help someone financially. Maybe that's easier. But do we really love the way we need to? And look at these things that things that love is. I think it's easy for us to see the opportunities that we have to improve relationships. One way to bridge the gap and restore a loving relationship is to extend forgiveness before you are asked to, even if you don't think you are the one in the wrong. This initiative will help to restore. It's always our turn first to work in healing. If we wait for someone else, if we decide whose turn it is, we know that healing will not take place the way it should. All right, C, opportunity also that we have is service to God and man. Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We have each one of us has an opportunity to be of service to God and also to our fellow man. 
we need to keep serving and not give up. It's, I think it's for a good reason why it says to not be weary in well-doing. We all probably at times can become weary, and uh, so the tendency to just think, well, our well-doing, we've filled our quota for the time being. But it says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. And it says especially to our brothers and sisters, we need to give ourselves in the service. We need to keep serving. We reflect the love of Christ for people when we treat them with love and respect, doing good to people. May God open our eyes, our hearts, and uh, yes, also our bank accounts or our checkbooks to those that we see around us that are hurting. I think it's an exercise that we can grow in, that we can develop to open our eyes, to open our hearts, and and to see those that we can be of service to. Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So if we are praying for the Lord to send laborers into his harvest, many times probably the one he will send to be a laborer is us. And uh, he'll show us where the fields are ripe and you'll put us there um, <clears throat> in studying for this one quote I came across I forget which minister it was that wrote this but he said we become able to minister effectively by using the word of God as our guide when the Bible is more than a reference or a how to book but when it is so much a part of you as a person that you instinctively act toward others in a biblical manner. I think it was wise words that we need to be taking the word of God as our guide more than just as a guide, more than just a reference, but that we have it a part of our life. And if we do that, then we will be able to serve effectively. Also, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I think it's important for us to have The scripture, as it is given by God, a part of us. All right. <clears throat> Are we going to allow God to do what he needs to do in us so that he can work through us? I think if we want to be of service to him, 
useful to him, first of all, we also need to allow him to work in us. And he probably has done that in this past year in many ways, many different ways as we reflect on the past year, how God has worked in us, chastised us, maybe helped us to grow in different areas that we needed to. But we need to allow him to continue to do that this year as well if we want to be of service to him. I think we all want God to bring us new opportunities to be of service. <clears throat> but at times, if if we want him to bring us <clears throat> those opportunities, first of all, maybe he'll need to work on us first. All right, <clears throat> the second... Um, it's a lot. Second, uh, new beginning that we can have is new commitments. We could say, well, we have new have resolutions for the year, but I think new commitments is a better word. And uh, I think we all need to make new commitments for the year. And uh, as we look past at our past. Life, like Brother Dale <clears throat> said this morning, we can sometimes get a feel a special sense of urgency, especially for me. I'm would say pretty much in the middle of my life, and uh, we look ahead that we only have as much time, you know, maybe or less than what we've already had, gives us a sense of of purpose or commitment that we need to make sure that it counts. You can turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Look at verses 28 to 31. Mark chapter 12. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first commandment, sorry, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. <clears throat> so one of the or the first commitment that we need to make is to obviously have Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life to serve him and then also to love others and serve others as our or love them as ourselves and, and serve them as Christ would have us to All right here are three ways that we can use to or that we can look at to help us to get a stronger grasp on loving God with our whole being first is to look to Jesus in Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 <clears throat> says 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to honestly look at ourselves and uh, our weaknesses. The sin which doth so easily beset us, I think we all know what those are. Things that we struggle with, things that beset us. And put those aside and look to Jesus who is our strength to overcome those. We need to focus on him as we go through life. I think we are all aware how easy it is to focus on everything else, on our finances, whether they are in a good place or a bad place, at our health, we can focus on our health, and on our careers or whatever. But I'm sure we've all found that if we focus on him, on Christ instead, the other stuff tends to fall into place. If we focus on Christ by saturating our lives with his word, by spending time in prayer and spending time with his people, then going into the new year is is not something we need to be afraid of. It, we can conquer. All right, the second one is walk with the spirit. Don't have very much of that. I'm not sure how to put that into words, how we walk with the Spirit, Galatians 5, verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Spend time with Him. Listen to the Spirit. I think we all know and uh, understand what that is when the Spirit brings something to our remembrance, our conscience. Let's listen to Him. Let's walk in step with the Spirit. And then see... <clears throat> to run to win. First Corinthians nine verses twenty four to twenty seven. First Corinthians nine twenty four. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And we know in our day that we live in there, our, the popular thought is that no one is a winner by themselves. It's everyone, everyone can get first prize. But what Paul is writing here is not that kind of a race, but one that requires 
a real effort. He said he doesn't run like one that is running aimlessly. You know that the person running aimlessly won't likely be the first one across the finish line. It requires perseverance and stamina. He says, don't fight like a man beating thin air. But we've all probably seen that. Someone that did that didn't make his punches connect. But we need to make sure in our race of life in this new year ahead of us that we are running to win. Win for Christ. When setting goals for this new year, especially in the area of deepening our walk with God, don't set yourself up for failure. You know, we can, whether it's New Year's resolutions or commitments, whatever, we can set ourselves up for failure to put goals. It's important to have lofty goals and maybe goals that we might have to or have a hard time reaching, but don't set yourself up for failure. Don't set unrealistic goals. If it's a goal that you have of reading the Word of God more, don't set an really unrealistic goal that you'll not be able to reach in the first month and then cast everything aside. But just commit yourself to reading more of the Word. And uh, there are various things that we can do that are realistic to Maybe have an app that reminds you once a day to read a certain number of verses or a chapter or whatever and to commit ourselves to follow through on that, to spend more time in prayer. We don't just make an unrealistic goal that we'll spend like five hours a week prayer, praying in prayer <clears throat> and to keep that up. 365 days of the year. I mean, that's a good goal. That would be great if we could do that. But I think if we do that, set those kind of things for ourselves, for goals, we set ourselves up for failure and we probably become disillusioned or or that might be worse off than if we set smaller goals. So set yourself up to win. All right. A third one, third opportunity for a new beginning is a new life. A new year is a great time to begin a walk with God if you haven't already, and to try for a deeper walk if you have already begun a walk with Christ. First one, a new life in Christ, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In Christ, you have the opportunity to become an entirely new person. It might not always look or feel like it, but it is true. God replaces the old person with a brand new one. Our status changes when we begin a new life with Christ. Before our status is that of a sinner, We, outside of God's provision for heaven, we are destined to spend eternity away from God, apart from God, in hell. And it's not 
pretty to talk about that. It's not something we like to talk about, but it is the truth. But when we do have Christ, when we make that commitment to Christ to take him as our Savior, our status changes to become that of saved. We are no longer under the penalty of sin. You have a place reserved for you in heaven. And God provides his Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us, to give us a new life. That is what Jesus came to this earth to accomplish for us, to give us a chance to change our status from sinner to saved. All right. We have an opportunity for a new life in the Spirit. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Read those familiar verses of the old life or the, the natural struggle that each one of us has experienced. Romans 7 verses 14 to 24. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law in my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. This is a struggle that we probably all are familiar with, being a Christian and yet failing, and then we question ourselves, are we really a Christian? Are we really living life that Christ would have us to answer is in chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We need to continue to persevere that we are spiritually minded to set our minds on what the Spirit wants of us. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
and be not conformed to this world, <clears throat> but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's, in this new year before us, present our bodies a living sacrifice so that we can be acceptable unto God. Not being conformed to this world. It's so easy to be conformed to this world. Constant pressure to conform ourselves to this world. But let's be transformed. Let's transform our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We may prove that, first of all, to ourselves, to those around us, also. The time comes when every person needs to make a decision whether to live for Christ or to live for themselves. And this scripture that we just looked at, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, tells us that we need to consecrate ourselves to him by offering our all to him, our minds, our work, our families, everything. When we consecrate ourselves to him, he helps make us holy, moving us toward a perfect love for God and turning our desires away from sin toward glorifying God in all aspects of our life. Let's commit ourselves to consecrate ourselves to him in his service, allowing him to fill us with his Holy Spirit, enabling us to love him more perfectly. And uh, all this is just a basic outline. There would be many practical aspects, aspects we could look at. But let's commit ourselves to consecrate ourselves to him. Let's stand for closing prayer. Ask Joe to lead us as we stand. Maybe see. Call for a song.